Here's Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about spiritual gifts. Paul stated that the zeal for spiritual gifts is to be concerned with what? The edification of the church, not yourself. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that what? You seek to excel. See, we want to edify the church. Your gifts are for me. My gifts are for you. Simple. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Any judge will tell you that ignorance of the law is no excuse for breaking the law. Well, it seems that the church sometimes struggles with understanding God's law for the practice and privilege when it comes to the use of spiritual gifts. Today, Pastor Xavier helps clear up any confusion as he takes us to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 for today's important Simple Truth study titled, The Gifts, Confusion, or Order. Let's listen. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are an incredible gift that God has endowed the church with in order to direct and guide her that His will would be done to work as He wills in an orderly manner and not in some confusing barrage of things that would even cause onlookers to just be freaked out or to criticize. There are three gifts in particular that were problems to the Corinthians, the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And these are the things that he focused on. Now, these three gifts have been called the gifts of inspiration or utterance, as they will be evident by their gift that they are. And um, some important reminders at this point, as we've gone through the first two chapters already, about the gifts is first that these are supernatural gifts severally given by God to individuals as He wills, okay? They're supernatural gifts. The person is the mere vessel. There's nothing special about the person, you or I. Uh, we can't turn them on or off. The only one that we can turn on and off at will is tongues, as we'll see. It's the only one. Now, every Christian can obtain at least one gift, Peter tells us. So, you have at least one gift to be operated within the body of Jesus Christ for the edification, as we'll see. And the gifts are operated at will by God, but until He returns. He opened up the Corinthian book, chapter 1, verse 7. They are until the day the Lord returns, in spite of what people say contrary to that. And also the gifts are not natural abilities or talents. We're not talking about because you know how to play piano, you learned it and you're hot with it. But we're talking about supernatural gifts, 21 of them in the list. And they will always be in accord to the Word of God, decent and in order. Those are simple principles that we've gone over. They still apply to these three gifts. If there is any group of gifts that have been misunderstood, misused, and abused till the present day, it is these three. So, what we want to do is look at the teaching of Paul as he addresses these three gifts here, as he lays them out in a threefold movement. Let me read here for us, chapter 14. Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, howbeit, or however, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks 
evocation, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they are make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is pipe or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kind of tongues in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray with a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than ten thousand words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, howbeit in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, an unbeliever or an uninformed person come in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If someone speaks in a tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, each in turn 
and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and that all may be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law has said. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, Paul teaches here about these three gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. And he lays it out in a three movement, real simple. First, verse 1 through 5, the introductory remarks, very important. He lays out the definition so he can qualify it. Secondly, 6 to 25, he gives the important instructions. And then 26 through 40, the imperative order. Let's begin here with the introductory remarks. Verse 1, the Apostle Paul made his proclamation regarding spiritual gifts. He told them, pursue agape love as the priority, the more excellent way that we saw in chapter 13, as the motive behind the exercise of any and every gift or anything we do in life, right? Because he's going to reward us for why and how we did it, not how much we do it, right? That we bring glory and attention to God, not to us. That's important. Love is superior in everything. And is greater than faith and hope, as he told us, due to the fact that the very nature of God is love. And the Spirit is to be the indicative mark of the Christian. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for the other, right? John 13, 35. Now, Paul told them, notice, to desire spiritual gifts, implying that there is nothing, nothing wrong with gifts in and of themselves. They were to pursue agape love and desire spiritual gifts, bringing the two together. Not a replacement of the gifts for love, as some people teach. Some people teach, well, see, Paul says agape love is substituting the gifts. Where do you get that from chapter 12, 13, 14? You may get it from your denomination, but not from the scriptures. Never. It's a complete corruption of the text. Now, the gifts in chapter 1, verse 7, till the day the Lord returns. 12, 11, 12, 31, he deals with the gifts. Okay? You can't reject them. Now, the word gift, notice is in italics, indicating that it's not in the original text, but inserted to affirm the subject of this section. Gifts, 12, 13, 14, are all together. Okay? Also in chapter 12, verse 1, though I didn't indicate it at that time, it has italics there. That means it's not there. But the whole subject is dealing with gifts. So it's inserted to an honest footnote by the translators. 
Now notice still in verse 1, Paul placed a premium on prophecy. The word especially means more or to be greater in degree. It's used in chapter 5, verse 2, 6, 7, 14, 1, 5, and 18. Prophecy encompasses speaking forth the word of God as we've shared often. Prophecy encompasses forth telling the revelation of God's mind or his will or the written word. Prophecy can also deal with prediction in the future, but this is not the way he's using it here. As he's going to tell us, it's not predictive, okay? Verse 2 through 4, the Apostle Paul gave his explanation regarding each of the three gifts. And here he defines, he qualifies them. Paul tells us what takes place when each of the gifts are exercised. In verse 2, Paul stated, the one speaking in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. The rule is that no one understands him. Not even the person that speaks in tongues. The reason is that in tongues he speaks mysteries. Mysterion, hidden things. He does not even know what he says. Okay? Now often you may hear somebody say, Well, you know, I was, you know, tongues is when God gives you a, a language you never learned. Maybe French, maybe Italian, you speak it. No, that would be a miracle. Tongues are not human languages. And he's going to distinguish them. You don't even know what you say. You don't even know. Now some people point to the Pentecost day of Acts 2. But in Acts 2, they spoke in tongues, glossa, glossialia, but they heard them speak in their own dialecta. So what you have there in the book of Acts chapter 2 is they heard them speak in their own dialect. So you have tongues manifested, but a miracle of hearing in their own dialect. This is not what Paul says tongues are here. So Acts 2, it's a miracle that's going on. Not only are the gift of tongue, but then you have the miracle of hearing in their own dialect. Okay? Now look at number, like verse 3. The one who prophesies speaks to men in one of three ways. Edification, to build up and strengthen. Exhortation, to encourage, literally to come alongside. The same root word for the Holy Spirit, uh, paraclesis, paracleo. And then comfort, to bring assurance and calmness. So the way he defines prophecy here, how he's going to use it, is not predictive, but a word from the Lord to encourage somebody. So that's the way he's going to use prophecy. He's not talking about predictive prophecy, okay? Verse 4. The one who speaks in tongues edifies himself, and the one who prophesies edifies the church. There's the contrast. Herein is the reason why Paul told them that he rather, that they prophesy more than speak in tongues in verse 1. Because if I speak in tongues right now, you're not going to understand me. You're going to say, what the heck is he talking about? But as I'm teaching you, and I'm speaking English, and you all understand English, you're being edified, right? Encouraged, exhorted, right? No one would understand what I'd be saying if I spoke in tongues. All would benefit as I speak forth the word of God. Now, look at verse 5. The Apostle Paul gave his evaluation regarding the two gifts. In verse 5, Paul desired that all of them could speak in tongues, but even more that they prophesy. He had already told them that not all speak with tongues in chapter 12, verse 30. Are we agreed there? Then how can denominations like Assembly of God and Foursquare teach that everybody can speak in tongues? Absolutely unbiblical. Not everybody speaks in tongues. 
Not everybody has the gift of prophecy. Not, or not everybody has the gift of teaching, right? That's how he ended chapter 12, right? Rhetorical questions. Now, look at 5 still. Paul pointed out that the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. He's not greater in importance as an individual, but greater in benefit to the body for the simple reason that all would understand and the church would be what? Edified. That's all. Remember that gifts are no credentials for spirituality. The gifts are not for you. They're for the body. The only one for you is tongues. It edifies you. Look at the remainder of five. Paul pointed out the exception. When the one who speaks in tongues can interpret, then the church is what? Edified. And receives edification. Then the one interpreting would serve the same benefit as prophecy. Yet not to be confused with prophecy. Prophecy is speaking forward to people, right? Tongues, you're speaking to who? God. So if there is a true interpretation, which direction would that interpretation be? If it's a true interpretation, it will go back the same direction to God. Okay? And then you judge it by the scriptures also. Make sure it doesn't add or take away. It's real simple. So, though an interpretation of tongue would serve the same purpose because it would be understood... There's still two distinct gifts, right? The one is towards God, the other one's towards man. Okay? Very important. So, these are the introductory remarks about prophecy, tongues, and interpretation, and he lays the groundwork. And that's how he's going to use them, okay? Now he moves from verse 6 to 25, the important instructions on tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And what I'm doing, I'm going to read a section at a time so that we don't lose our train of thought here. 6 through 8, the Apostle Paul provided an illustration regarding tongues. Listen carefully. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall it profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? He says, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So the Apostle Paul provides the illustration guarding tongues here. In verse 6, Paul illustrates it from his own life. If Paul came to them and spoke in tongues, what would it benefit them? How much profit? None. They wouldn't understand him. If he spoke in a language understood, it would benefit them. Now, Paul, I'm sure, spoke Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, for sure. And they would understand him. So, even from the beginning here, he makes this thing between the supernatural gift of tongues and human languages. Are we clear on that? Alright? Either by revelation, apocalypses, unveiling truth through the inspiration of the Spirit. Either by knowledge, gnosis, general intellectual understanding through the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration. And either by prophecy, which he has defined already the unction of the Spirit to speak to man, right? And then... Either by teaching, the gift of teaching to the anointing of the Spirit of God. Either by these things. They would be understandable. So in verse 7 and 8, Paul illustrated through musical instruments what he's saying. In verse 7, the sound that comes forth from a flute and harp, though they do not have life as you and I do as people, they must give a distinct sound to be recognized. 
If you have your little boy go over to that flute, just pick it up and just start blowing, you go, what the heck is that? Or they start banging a piano. But if you get someone who's accomplished on that instrument, man, it's nice. See? Even though things without life, whether flute or harp, they make a sound unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is pipe or played? This is the illustration between tongues and a recognized language, okay? Now, in verse 8, the trumpet that calls uh, men to battle must have a recognizable sound or no one will respond. If the bugler just wants to start jamming on it, what do we do with this? But it's either revelry, retreat, advance, that's a certain tune, a certain sound, right? Even in the Old Testament, you have certain sounds to break up a camp. All right? That's what he's talking about. Now, in verse 9 through 13, the Apostle Paul expressed the, understand, the understanding regarding tongues. Let me read here. 9 through 13. So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken for you will be speaking into the air? There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, here's the application, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you may seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue Pray that he may interpret. So the Apostle Paul expressed the understanding regarding tongues here. Look at verse 9. Paul stated that like comparing comparison that unless a person speaks in a known language so as to be understood, how will people understand the word a person could be speaking to the air? That's what he would be doing. Unless I speak English. If, I, if nobody spoke Spanish here and I started speaking in Spanish, even in another earthly language, it wouldn't do you any good. I have to communicate in the same, you know, if you're, you're on AM radio, that's all you can receive. You don't receive FM, right? Same thing. Okay? You got to be on the same wavelength. In verse 10, Paul stated there are various languages in the world. Now, one of them is without significance or voiceless. There's certain sounds, certain words, and you know them, I know them, so we can communicate back and forth. It's just real simple. But only those who know the sound and the words can communicate in that language. Now, I can speak two languages, Spanish and English. So, you speak Spanish, I can pick it up. You speak English, I can pick it up. You speak anything else, I'm done. Okay? Verse 12 and 13, notice Paul stated that the zeal for spiritual gifts is to be concerned with what? The edification of the church, not yourself. Even so, verse 12, he applies it. Since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that what? You seek to excel. See? We want to edify the church. Your gifts are for me. My gifts are for you. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with the right perspective on the role of spiritual gifts and the body of Christ. And if you've missed any part of today's presentation, you can go online and hear it again anytime by use of the radio listings link at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now, if you'd like your own personal copy of today's challenging study from 1 Corinthians, it's called The Gifts, Confusion, or Order. It's available, as always, on CD for just $4. And why not request an additional copy to pass on to a friend or loved one? The title to ask for once again is The Gifts, Confusion, or Order. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for letting us know the call letters of this station when you contact us. God has important uses for our spiritual gifts, but can they be misused by the church? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese right here on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com